0: everybody that this is this has been the week from hell news wise and we need all the karma we can get yeah. but i have a plan i have a plan for distributing karma and i'll just wait until more people have come into the room but yep. for those those of you who are in the room um who want to get started go to rally.io and sign up. Just get yourself a username, because at the end of this room, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give karma coin to everybody. Wow. Just, just because um, this is such a terrible week, and I'm thinking that we we need karma. So I'm going to start giving it away to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm.
1: And also to let you know, uh, Francine, uh, as you know, our friends from also the other platform are also joining. The audience members from the other platform are also joined in this conversation.
0: Oh, great. Yeah,
1: call in. So uh, we've got Charlie and Eli on the other side. Charlie, do you want to say something? Or
2: Hi, Charlie. Hey, Hi, Eli. Hi, you fine? Hi nice, nice to meet you.
0: Nice to meet you too. Um, please go to Rally. Well, you don't have to, but if you if you would like some karma, I would, I want to give it to you. So please go to yeah. Rally.io and sign up for an ID. And when you get your when you get your I, ID, um, DM it to me on Twitter. Or back channel it to me on Clubhouse, and I will send you KarmaCoin. I think it. Awesome. I think this is a week yeah. To distribute KarmaCoin. Absolutely. I mean, no,
2: in, I, in I my, Go ahead, Heimann.
1: It's Charlie I was, there.
2: I was just saying, I, oh. I, I'm, 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 a, I'm familiar with Rally. I worked in the crypto space for three years before. Um, and uh and I really love the, the platform they're building. It's really cool. Not sure if there's there's uh any audio going on, but unable to hear anything on the call side. <laughs>
1: yeah, very side. sorry about that. I just uh, I'm not sure what happened. The hardware just failed. Uh, somebody zapped me. Sorry about that.
3: Oh no! So, I all we down. heard was you worked I in the crypto
1: space. <laughs> <laughs> all we heard was we worked in the crypto space and you were where of rally. Yeah,
2: okay, Well, no. Just big big fan of the the product and platform that they're building. Perfect. So I'll, I'll definitely I'll definitely do that.
0: Yeah, get yourself a rally ID. Most people who um, come to this room have no idea what crypto is, or, or rally, or karma. But I have a coin called the Karma Coin, and the and the Karma Coin um, is a coin that I invented or created or minted or whatever uh, verb you want to use so so that I could remind people that we get back what we give out and this is really a week to a week to remember that so absolutely we need we need to uh, give people karma, and I'm willing to do it. I can't do it if you don't give me your rally ID. So w- once more, I'll say it: rally.io, and um, get just get yourself a rally user ID and back channel me. And after this room is over, I'll be doing a mass distribution mm-hmm. of car- karma. To everyone who wants it, and I just want you to hold on to it and use it for. Um, just remember me and remember the whole idea of getting back what you put out, because that's what it's for. What it's for, and I'm kind of wanting to um, get into the subject of this. Um, this this week's discussion, but I was hoping that Thomas Tejo would show up mm. because he. Can you ping him? Ping sure. Him? Yeah. I'm. I've seen him online today. I don't know if he. He said he would come. Yep. Hi, Weirblaka. How are you? Hi, Reblaca for the blacks. Oh yes, Weirblaka for the blacks. Riblacka.
4: Yeah. So, um, and for, for all variations of diversity. So I'm here. Yay.
0: Reblacca, I met Stephanie for the Blacks yesterday. Um she lives in Scottsdale. Queen's loves- Queen of Clubhouse culture? Um, let's see, what's her name? Uh Stephanie Wise, wise Heartwise Mystic.
4: Hmm. Are you talking about Stephanie uh the, the who works for Clubhouse or another Stephanie?
0: No, another Stephanie. Hmm. Another, and what Stephanie is this? Her name is Heartwise Mystic. Her clubhouse name is Heartwise Mystic. Anyway, so at the end of the, of the last room that we had, we Thomas Te, Tejo. I hope that's the right way to say his name. Had brought up the subject of diversity with respect toward expanding our definition of diversity because he's um, visually impaired and his comment was that we judge everybody and make all our, our decisions on sight and we've we've And I can't put it as well as he did, but he was really, really good at explaining that when you use sight as your first sensory modality, you get one picture of the world. I think it's almost kind of like using one language or another language. Um, But you need, you know, you would want to look at things in your world with other modalities before you come to decisions and judgments. And I thought this was such an incredible subject that I wanted to see what people had to say about expanding the whole category of diversity so that it not only includes what we usually think, which is um, racial diversity or gender diversity or even age diversity but there are a lot of other kinds of of diversity and yeah. go we this is for you oh yeah so i actually
4: ironically today i have to hop out at three um for a diversity client so the expanding notion of diversity um uh, the whole practice really started formally in the 70s actually um after Title IX and, and the civil rights movement, really starting to see on a corporate level um, what racial barriers and gender barriers are are um, happening in the workplace. So the history uh, and the morphology over time has now included diversity, equity, inclusion, D-E-I, and now they've added the A. So the, new, the newest is now diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. Um, okay
0: so that might cover thomas's uh, Mm -hmm. thomas's issues Mm
4: -hmm. and so uh, i actually have a, uh, uh, a bachelor's of science in speech pathology so you know i'm like if we could just get 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 rid of and get get over like not get over it but get get rid of racism and gender discrimination and we can focus on ableism which is really actually my passion like I got awards in, 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 the field. I, I got, I got uh, paid travel and expenses to various conferences for what are, what are called augmented alternative communication devices. So people um, with varying degrees of, of ability, right. How are they able to communicate? So like Stephen King, um, I think he's the one in the wheelchair and, and he has that, that machine. So that whole uh, field of study is, over 20 years old, so because I was going to conferences about that um, in 1998, 1999. Uh, The whole notion of voice recognition for Siri, uh, for Google Voice, for, you know, all these like, you know, devices that you used to say, turn on light and things like that. That's all speech pathology. That's all our research. Um, So speech pathology is a very broad field, uh, but ultimately it is to allow for People of varying abilities to be able to communicate, um, whether they it's hearing issues, um, sight issues as well, and also what was called receptive communication skills. So, um, uh, for whatever reason, traumatic brain injury, stroke. Um, and other, and other disorders that people, for, for whatever reason, can't understand what you're saying. And then what's also called uh, expressive communication disorders, which is what people mostly associate with the field of speech pathology, which is um, stuttering, right? Like that. That's usually when you're oh, speech. Uh, right, aphasia.
1: aphasia. Yep. A stroke, post-stroke. These are speech difficulties.
5: hmm So there's a lot you of... You about divergency, actually. Or you what? can really rope in all the neurodivergency. Yeah. Yeah
0: well that's what i was thinking that we could rope in you know a lot more neurodivergencies and i was wondering what that would mean for clubhouse because my guess is that we have a lot of neuro and i know this from you know some of the rooms that i go in cuz i go wandering around to various rooms and and a lot of the People that get kicked off this app strike me as neurodivergent, mm-hmm. you know, and they pay a penalty for that, mm-hmm. that neurodiversity. Mm-hmm. Yes.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: Well,
4: if, if I can, this is Rebecca for the Blacks. I think um, if we're going to talk about this, we also not need to do it in practice and not just in name. So uh, thing number one is we should say what our name is so that people who are using all types of transcription, um, services. Uh, and then people who like, like me, let's say I'm cooking and I'm not looking at the screen, so I don't know who's talking. So we start with our name and then we, we end with, I'm done speaking. It's not just some clubhouse weird thing. It it actually is best practices. And then also it's really hard for people to understand the flow when other people are interrupting people. So I would suggest that, um, we just let everybody finish their thoughts so that it's clear to, anybody who's listening and for the transcript or whatever, like, oh, okay, that person's done <laughs> and then the next person shares. So I just wanted to share um, that. But in terms of like diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility, yes, I, again, like I'm very passionate about it. Um, unfortunately, I don't get to flex that muscle as much as I would like to, um, because I'm you know, waist, waist deep in, in you know racial diversity. Um, however, uh, it is, it is a huge passion of mine. My brother actually had, um, speech language disorders as a child. So, you know, that's what opened me up to the whole notion of speech language pathology. to begin with. I was like, wow, like, this is really, you know, I, I like loved it. You know, I was like eight, nine, 10 years old. Like, oh, that's what I want to do. Yeah.
2: Um,
5: a- oh,
4: so, mm-hmm. so, um, in terms of, uh, what you shared, Dr. Francine around, uh, neurodivergency and, and, and how they're um, taxed or punished for that on the app. It, it is because our culture, um, like you mentioned, I do believe it was Thomas you mentioned that said that, you know, what if we did more than just judge people by sight only, right? Like we even have TV shows that are like, you know, love at first sight, right? Like So, so it's embedded into our language um, and it's also embedded into uh, our culture and, and like how we show up in the world and then people judge us based on our ability stated um and so when it comes to neurodivergency uh we expect people to be clear be cogent you know, land the plane land the plane you know like like that 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 is built in our culture um is actually quite harmful to you know various people because then uh, the, the the counter right or the subtext of that is well if you can't say what you need to say and fi- and finish it up and Let's go, let's go. Like, if you can't do that, then you're not smart. Um, so I think that, that that then becomes the negative arbiter for people who are then sidelined or marginalized or silenced because it's just like, you know, figure it out. And people even said that, you know, when, when Biden, I'm going to drag him, when he said to, about Obama that, you know, Obama was articulate, right? Remember when he said that? that, 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 that that's actually a negative connotation, as if to say, well, if you're not articulate, then you're not worthy. Right, so so to, to broaden and expand would, would would really take a culture shift in terms of um, radical empathy and patience, uh, and we're we're just not there yet. Uh, last thing I'll share is that I also have a lot of experience um, in special ed because I was a teacher for over 15 years. I don't have the special ed degree, but but the, with the speech pathology, it all it, it all it coincides because of the IDEA, IDEA law on educational. Um, uh, accommodations for students of varying um, abilities. Uh, so I would be in on the meeting sometimes. So uh, when, I, I was, I was, I would, when I was you know, in high school, I was the director of arts in high school. And I would be like, okay, so right now you all, the students would get all these accommodations, right? Like they get time and a half for testing um, or they, they have someone to read. They have a scribe to write things down for them or they have someone read out the questions, right? Um, Which is fine inside of the school building, but that same child outside of the school building, who's 17, 18, okay, you become 19, 20 years old, none of those services exist. So what does that mean for that person, right? Then there's, so they go from a very scaffolded, you know, carefully um, co-created, curated world to accommodate them to a world that's gonna look at them like, hurry up, shut up, let's go right? So what does that mean for the driver's license? What does that mean when they're applying for a job? What does that mean when they have an interview? So our whole entire society is skewed towards right now, right now, let's go right now. And then if you can't do that, you're stupid, you're not worthy of this job. And so there's a very negative skew to people who do not fit this very narrow definition for what it means to be proficient. So that, that, is what I wanted to share um, in terms of, ex- when we really think about de D-E-I-A, right? Um, you know, again, I do diversity. So, so what I say is that we're co-creating safe spaces, right, we're all in it together. We either, we either are co-creating a safe space or we are co-creating a safe that is not safe, a space that is not safe. And that can happen on Clubhouse, that can happen in a work environment, that can happen in schools, that can happen in any space that is more than like two or three people, right? Um, and so with that, like it, it would, it would, it would need to be a culture shift, right? And we could view Clubhouse as a microcosm to the macrocosm of how we can co-create safe spaces that don't um, disproportionately uh, benefit people that can speak really clearly, really quickly, and very cogently, right? Which it was a skill that I have, um, but. But the culture shift would need to be to allow for to to allow for grace and for empathy for people to speak and to and to cherish and to value what they have to say when they say it and how they say it versus like, hurry up, get, you know, move on, move on, move on, which is the culture that we have on Clubhouse, which is just uh, representat- representative of the culture we have in larger society.
0: Then speaking. Oh, uh, that is awesome because I. It was all I could do not to interrupt you. And you have reminded me how how unsympathetic I am toward the people you are talking about. And yet, as an older person, when I'm driving or walking slowly and people go past me, and either honk at me, or wave at me, or give me the finger, and I'm moving as fast as my little arthritic body can, I see the same thing that you were just talking about. But I notice Eli, you, uh, this is Francine, I'm trying to get in the habit. This is Francine, I'm done speaking, but Eli, you unmiked, would you like to contribute?
2: Oh, no, I was I was applauding uh, uh, the Canine's the, um, comment.
4: Oh, I prefer, uh, this is Roblox for the Blacks. I prefer Roblox for the Blacks because no
5: one knows how to pronounce my
2: name. Don't try. <laughs> <Blacks>. Sorry, <laughs> okay. I'll try to remember
5: that. <laughs> Dr. Brown? Yeah, I just, want, I just wanted to say something quickly. Oh, um, you know, when we were talking about neurodivergency, one of the amazing phenomena of... Um, Phenomenon of, uh, of clubhouse and virtuality is that it really actually helps some neurodivergent people. I have spoken with, and I'm friends with, scores of people on the autism spectrum who actually benefit from being in a world, in an environment where they can't read, where they don't have to worry about reading the facial expressions on a person. They can go by what's being said and that kind of stuff. Um, so that's just one aspect of it. But, it, you know, there, there are many opportunities. And I think that, you know, the whole idea of the, Dr. Gibbons' idea of the radical empathy is a wonderful one. You know, and i try to keep that in my head. This is the other Dr. Fran and I'm done. <laughs>
7: Okay, uh, Dr. Francine, I need to jump soon. But before that, I want to tell you something. I am usually not into crypto, but because of your request, I've just created an account on Rally. I've already DM you. So, yeah, just for you, Dr. Francine.
1: That's a huge step. Thanks, Cheryl. Yeah, she, she got there. her
7: feet
1: wet. Oh, sorry, oh, Francine. Just- Dr. Francine, I did mute you yeah. because there was some background noise. So your mic might be muted if you are speaking to us. So, Heyman.
7: Yeah, you just let her know I need to jump off to make a phone call now. I may be back later, all right?
2: Yeah, we'll do.
8: Bye. Bye. Bye,
5: Cheryl.
2: So, yeah, and and here. I
8: also uh DM you,
2: you um
8: on on um
2: Colin.
1: Oh, cool. Um also um I think Dr. Francine, your mic might be uh, off right now. Sorry about that. There was a lot of background noise, so I just had to uh... Oh, there you go. You're back.
0: Mm-hmm. I've been trying to unmute. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> to say thank you
1: to Cheryl. Yes,
0: Cheryl. Yeah. Oh, bummer. But I haven't been able to unmute.
1: Don't worry; she'll hear it on the podcast.
0: I've also been trying to invite Nadini, who has her hand raised on stage, and I can't do that either. So obviously, I am glitching here somewhere. Can somebody else try to get Nadine? Yeah, I'll do that.
1: And Nadine, if you can't still, just please step outside and come back in, and we'll definitely try again. By the way, it's Haman again. I'm just curious, where does intersectionality play into all this, Rebecca? Uh, Anyone on stage, actually? We don't talk about it much, but I mean, I think a lot of people don't talk about it, but I think when we talk about it, we have all the, the different things. Why can't we bring it all together, or does that sort of diminish the efforts of certain movements.
4: Oh, yeah. So thank you. So last time it's it's for Black, uh, for the Blacks, um, starting a whole movement where we're clear about what we're for yep. so that we yeah. can also be clear about what we're Stop. against. Stop. So um, because I'm I'm for the Blacks, I'm for neurodivergency, I'm for all these things, but I put Black first because of the level of anti-Blackness, and I'm Black. <laughs> but uh, in terms of uh, inter- intersectionality, so... Is that uh, So intersectionality uh, is a term coined and um, researched. Down. Oh, 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 sorry.
1: Please <laughs> excuse her. That. That's her dog.
4: I know.
0: I was like, she's uh, a <laughs> that dog. That
1: dog I just muted her. you again. <laughs> sorry. is
4: yeah, yeah, so funny. I thought I was
0: muted. That was my neurodiverse. <laughs> Yeah, or 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 a dog with receptive language issues. That's all,
4: because <laughs> you can say something; it doesn't mean someone understands. who's going to do it, <laughs> and that includes animals. Um, uh, in so, in terms of uh, intersectionality, so I, one is that it was founded by a black woman, Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw. So I think that that term gets fancied around, and and know, it becomes like this thing, and then people don't even know. It's like, oh, a black like, and think about the fact that a black academic, a black professor would be the one to sit down and think about the same thing that she ended up pointing, which is literally to what degree is me being a woman, me being black, me being all these other things, either an asset or a liability to my end goal. Right. So, so in terms of intersectionality, I mean, it, it, it just literally means that, that, that uh, unfortunately, and you know, people could argue, argue with me on it, but you know, whatever, (laughs) he's like it's it's clear as day and evident within western society that that the the standard and the person that is most privileged or ability to pivot or do something wrong or be forgiven or just get to a yes right to get a new job or a new promotion or more money or raise whatever it is is a white man right so we live in a racist world we live in a misogynistic world we live in a Homophobic world. We live. We live in a transphobic world. We live in a world that doesn't value you based on your age. They, we and you know there's other cultures. Um, you know there's filial piety. There's 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 ways in which the older you are, the more revered you are. All around the world, there's, there's cultures who like revere you, revere the elders western society does not They're like oh you're old <laughs> like you're taking too long you know changing. Oh,
0: society <laughs> is exactly the opposite i'm sorry i interrupted you again
4: rats <laughs> yes uh but yeah you know the people look at people who are older like like they just automatically assume you know that they're that they're slow they're not going to get things you know just, they're preoccupied with changing their diaper uh, we're very dismissive as a culture um to the elderly. So all of that isn't just, you know, little quirks, you know, little like, you know, like a, a Simpsons episode playing out between Homer and and Homer's father. You know what I'm saying? It's it's not it's not a joke. It actually has real consequences in terms of how much people are getting paid how how, how you know the disproportionate amount, of, disproportionate amount of people that are that are hired or promoted like it they're they're real consequences to what may seem like societal quirks or mores that we're just like oh yeah this is what we do yeah we just make these jokes no like these are not just memes this is it it, it means something um and so intersectionality is literally that it's the demystification of the stratification of groups of people based on these different indices right so so to what degree is your gender your race your class um your age um and a lot of other things uh either an asset or a liability because all of them are on a continuum right the younger you are the better the wider you are, the better. <laughs> right? The maler you are, the, the, the cis male you are, the better. I mean that's what intersectionality is, right? The more you present in a way that is articulate and you're smart and you, you get things quick, let's go, let's go, let's go, right. then then the more um, valued you are in our society based on um, based on again these things that are literally these ideas that are Baked into the culture and then are reinforced by who we put on TV, um, who, who, who we allow, you know, to have a whole TV show versus, oh, you only get a segment. Right. So, you know, who's on the cover of the magazine, who's somewhere in the middle. So all of this on a conscious and a subconscious level, again, co-creates our society and then says, okay, this is who we value because this is who we see in power or on the cover of the magazine. We don't value these people because we don't see them on TV. We don't see them in, in, in magazines. We don't, you know? And so when you look at um, the notion of representation, right? Well, that's why it's so important because the more those people are able to see themselves on TV, on radio, um, you know, anywhere, right? The more that they can legitimately say to themselves, I am a part of this society. So So intersectionality, in and of itself, we can crunch numbers and we can we can you know wave every flag that we have and say I'm this I'm that I'm this I'm that right. But until we have representation, which could or could be conflated with um uh what is it uh, inclusion right. But until we have representation where people are the arbiters of their own they, they 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 are the heroes of their own story and they're not they're
0: not represented for the sake of saying okay we got. Or they're to be mocked, right?
4: Um, but they—they they are. Until we have it where representation means you are to be valued, then we're con- we're going to continue to have the disproportionate amount of people that you know are ascending to higher levels of society, and then other people who are really silenced and erased. Um, and so that—that's the goal of intersectionality: is to demystify that process so that we can actually start to have conversations about representation. Um. So this is We're Black for the Blacks, and We're Black for equal representation
0: that is valued. Mm-hmm. Done speaking. Thank you. And I would like now to give the floor to the one white male who is on this stage. Two. Oh, there Linda. are two. There are two. Oh, okay. Eli. To... <laughs> oh, sorry. I couldn't, I can't see. I was going to throw it to Tyler. But Linda, you've unmuted, so you please speak. <laughs>
9: Yes, I did. Thank you. And Hyman, thank you for inviting me out to You're speak. Welcome. I really wanted to give some context to this from the UK perspective, which is where I'm based, yes. and the negative consequences of intersectionality. So I am in the tech sector, which suffers from a lack of representation, also in the power sector, which also suffers from the, the lack of uh, representation. So I seem to be an anomaly in the rooms that I enter. But I want to talk specifically about funding. And so, you know, you've know you probably seen the numbers of, I think for every pound sterling that VC funders invest, less than one P goes to women um, led organizations, but even less than that goes to black female founders. But the issue here in the UK is that sometimes people want to pretend these things are not happening. And so when you challenge the status quo, it's almost like, well, you're here at this breakfast briefing or you're here at this wine and canapé affair pre-COVID. So things are getting better. But they're not because the figures keep showing the same thing year in, year out. And so I find that sometimes when you do ask the difficult questions, when people say, OK, well, things are getting um, better. And I always question this. Well, Who gets to make the decisions when these funds are allocated? And then if the institutions are saying they want to do better and yet they're the ones that put money into these VC funds, do they really want diversity and inclusion or do they just say it because it sounds like they're doing something wonderful? But in actuality, it's just. It's just kind of PR. So sometimes I struggle to understand if it's just for social capital, because social capital is lucrative. People want to be seen to be doing great things, but um, it's just surface deep. So that's my experience with diversity and equity
10: in the UK. I'm not that hopeful. This is Shireen, who also deals with technology and the U.S. mostly. Um, And the answer to your question is yes, it's for social capital. I've been doing this since 99, and the one thing that's clear, the numbers in terms of hire, uh, retention, um, even attrition at this point, seem to consistently have the same groups in it, and it's usually groups of color or or women of color, Um, and that to me is an indication that as much as we talk about it, and I think we're talking about it more and more, because when I was teaching Girls to Code in 99, um... There was was barely anyone even thinking that that was even a possibility. And one thing I've said to people over and over again, teaching them the code was the easy part. It's everything else after. Um, And so we still haven't dealt with what that looks like in action. Um, In many instances, unfortunately, um, you know, people who happen to um, actually... um, we're Black and for the Blacks, and several others were talking to Soledad O'Brien, um, who walked into an incident where someone called her the media, hi- I mean, the diversity hire. Like, the part of the expansion of this conversation about diversity is when, if you happen to be Black or brown, that somehow you're there for the diversity hire and not there for your expertise. And that's sort of um, gets included into the discussions that we're not always having. I'm mean, not how they treat it by their teams, that's how they're treated, even, even when they have an expertise that is equivalent to what their degrees actually say. Um, let's just talk about Dr. You know, Timnit-Jibru. Um, but in terms of intersectionality, I just wanna say this, one of the difficulties about this is that, is that people don't understand when there are intersections and what those intersections mean in terms of challenges. And that, to me, is where I think we're having a balance or trying to have a balance about what's what we need to do next. Um, and this is Shereen, and I'm done.
3: This is Lauren speaking. Um, I'm at the bottom. Is it okay if I chime in? Oh, please do. Okay, cool. So um, this is Lauren. I use they/them their pronouns. Um, I'm at the bottom left corner of the stage, and um, I wanted to chime in and and, and, uh, echo, um, Rebecca for the blacks in that, um, diversity and inclusion are very much not the same thing. Um, so diversity is when you have a lot of different voices at the table and inclusion is when, all of the voices at the table are valued in the same in in an equitable way. Not really the same way, but in an equitable way that honors um, the ways in which um, certain voices have historically been marginalized or gatekept or like left out intentionally. Um, and and somebody was like saying something about like things are getting better, but like are they like I would I would like to echo that and say like. I think, um, like, as a society, we have moved, like, as a greater society, like, we, we are moving through different models of the ways in which we conceptualize disability, for example, like, um, the charity model, onto the medical model, onto the social model, onto the radical model, but, like, different places are in different places, for example, like, the medical industrial institution. Um, or the, sorry the, med- the medical industrial complex is um is still very much in the like in the medical model of disability and in like the charity model of disability where it can only conceptualize um like folks with disabilities in a way that is like tragic or or um in need of assistance or like like inclusion is contingent on an ability to assimilate. Um, into the quote-unquote mainstream and in the social model of disability it's like where a lot of people are at which is like it's like bodies are not wrong it's it it recognizes that disability is a construct that um was created um like around people and not something that is inherently born within people People are not born disabled; they are disabled because of inaccessibility and exclusion um and the uh, of the world around them but but um and I'm gonna land my plane in a second. I'm trying to right <laughs> <just land it. laughs> like, right you have to land your plane that's what clubhouse
0: demands
3: <laughs> I know i know but um but yeah, moving towards the radical model of disability means um making it less about examining the concept of accessibility and more about dismantling and and questioning and deconstructing sy- the systems um, in place that create a world in which exclusion and inaccessibility are even possible and allowed to happen. Um, So, yes, moving towards the radical model of disability and inclusion, disability um, will lead to um, inclusive spaces rather than just, quote, unquote, diverse spaces, which are not always inclusive, because it's not about who's at your table. It's about are all the voices at the table being valued. And this is Lauren and I'm done speaking. Oh, good. (laughs) That
0: was awesome, Lauren. Tyler, a white male.
3: <laughs> What's the
2: ding for? <laughs> it just. Happened oh no, that here, so. was
0: but my my. I'm using Clubhouse <laughs> on Club Deck. Yes, and me too. My, and my phone is pinging me with back channel text.
1: Sorry about
6: that. Ah, okay.
0: So sorry. No worries. Okay. What's um the
6: topic? What's
0: the topic? Expand you un- your,
3: <laughs> expand your <laughs> you un- definition of diversity?
0: Yes, you, T- Tyler, you are one of the only white men on the panel, so, and you unmuted. So I was looking to give you an opportunity to sure. plead your case for the vanishing white male.
3: Oh, I don't. I, I live in Thailand, where uh, white males are uh, very rare birds, generally. And I live in a Thai community uh, where I'm not allowed to ride buses or go to temples. I pay, have to pay money to go to national parks where Thais don't. Um, I, yeah, we have very systemic racism here. Uh, I can't go. I can't run in marathons. Um, wow. Yeah, the Bangkok Marathon was not open to non-Thais. <laughs>
0: So is, is that racism or is it xenophobia?
3: Good question. I, I, I guess it would depend on the how people choose to define it.
7: Hi, my name is Alyssa. I don't mean to cut Tyler off, but I just wanted to um, chime in because we live in the same place. And I just wanted to give my perspective because we often hear that people like Tyler are discriminated against. And a lot of times they're using the wrong word, and they don't know the difference between discrimination and what's actually happened. So I'll let him finish, and then I'll just kind of explain the more real perspective.
0: Yeah, I'm finished. <laughs> Tyler's, I mean, Ty- Tyler's I, plane I, just crash landed a ago.
3: I, I could. I lived in Japan previously. I wasn't allowed in nightclubs or allowed to rent apartments, but you can, you can include that too if you like.
0: Alyssa?
7: Oh yeah, I'm, I'm still here. I just wanted to wait for him to finish.
1: I think he did. Um...
7: <laughs> Good evening. My name is Alyssa. So I will just bring up two points um, before I talk about living in Thailand. So I know that Linda was talking about her experience in the UK. And recently I was contacted by a tech company based out of San Francisco to do some work for them. And so I actually rejected the opportunity because the company wasn't diverse and the only diverse woman there was Asian. And she was in charge of hiring for about four years. And I asked her, Why didn't she use her privilege to diversify the company instead of waiting so long? And so I agree with Linda where, in the UK is very different. They don't like to be challenged. They don't want to talk about it. They want to pretend that it doesn't exist. Um, Another example that I wanted to share, there's a company called Modern Animal that just raised I think it was $75.5 million. They might be based out of the, the Bay Area, but it's basically for animals. I think specifically dogs. And if you go to their website, they do a breakdown of their diversity. And so I think by publishing this information that they think that they're, it's, it's, they're doing something. So basically when we talk about funding and VCs, you will see on their website, 66%, almost 67% of their employees are white. 5.9% are East Asian, 39 are Middle Eastern, 78 are Black. When you go to gender, there's no specified uh, anything of, of being inclusive. So my point is, when we talk about funding, it really starts from the top. You know, the 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 people, the venture capitalists don't have diverse networks. Um, the people making decisions don't have diverse networks. When you look at a company in general, the executive leadership is usually isn't diverse. You'll have one Asian male or female, someone from India, and then someone that we kind of call, you know, safe passing. So someone who's Black, but not really that black, but black enough to be included as diverse, but not black enough to cause issues. So when you look at that structure, it starts from the top. And then as you go down, there are no diverse uh, directors, managers, so forth and so on. And so it makes it hard for them to be inclusive because the people that they hire to make these decisions are predominantly white women. And so if they don't have diverse networks, then it's just going to be a continued cycle. And so I just wanted to speak to Tyler's experience in Thailand. So Thailand, it is a racist, it is a racist country, but not from a white male perspective. What he's talking about is xenophobia. But at the same time, if we can be honest, white men are the king. If you're coming from the UK, if you're coming from the US, we all know why usually white men travel to Thailand. They use money to spend on prostitution. They use money to go have girlfriends and get married and create families with women who are beneath them. They are not equal when it comes to education. They are not equal when it comes to um, life experience. They're not equal when it comes to finances. So when that happens and they're spending their money, they're creating families, they're opening up businesses, they're, they're employing local Thai people, they get mad because the locals don't want them in a race. That's true. Um, that's not a big deal. That's just their race. They get mad when it's pushback. So when they come to a country that is catered to them in, in in most ways, but when they're told that they can't do something, then it's called racism. Racism is a whole nother level. They're not they're not experiencing racism.
1: They're experiencing
7: they're experiencing Xenophobia. Yeah, and I don't think,
1: find- uh, just for clarity's sake, I mean, I think I don't think the racism or xenophobia was brought up by Tyler. It was brought up by Francine in this conversation, right? It was just a general uh,
7: conversation. Yeah. Well, sorry. actually, she clarified. She said that doesn't sound like racism. So I'm clarifying why okay. it's Thanks. not
0: racism. Yeah. Okay. And we have an awful lot of people on stage sorry. and 15 minutes left. So he- here's if you don't mind, here's what I would like to do. First of all, I'd like to announce that this is the Karma Club. And we are talking about expanding our definition of diversity. We have some awesome experts in the room and on the stage. And we aren't going to get through everybody by 12 o'clock. But There is always next week, and I cannot imagine a better topic to continue, because this is basically this this, and I'm going to say it flat out: this intolerance for diversity is what is screwing up Clubhouse, because we have a hugely diverse community and a whole bunch of people who don't really know how to deal with that diversity and therefore are causing, you know, huge, huge, huge problems for each other and getting each other to turn off the app and and making people not feel safe. And you name it, it's happening. Anyway, Rohit, I'm going to ask you whether you would like to contribute something because I was back-channeled that you have a book coming out.
6: Thank you so much. Yeah, I I am really uh, excited to to talk about this book only because it's not just me. Um, I've got a, a co-author um, Jennifer Brown, who many of you know, and then
10: hi Rocky, another this is Digital System. Hey, DC. Hey, Bye. how you doing?
6: Good to hear you. Um, And uh, we've got six contributors, and we brought in uh, 12 sensitivity readers, and we've got 200 perspectives. And this book is just all of them together. And I love this topic, because expanding our definition of diversity is really what this whole book is about. And so we talk about topics that a lot of times you don't hear in the context of the word diversity, like ageism, or disability. Um, And some of these things are really, really important to the idea of expanding our idea of what diversity means beyond just race or gender. I mean, obviously those are important also. Um, And so I love this idea of trying to bring those perspectives together. And one of the analogies we use in the book is if we keep fighting these fights individually, it's as if we're running this relay race and nobody ever hands a baton to anyone else. And you're never going to make progress that way. And so what this book tries to do is offer a lens that puts these things together. And instead of saying, here's our chapter on race and here's our chapter on gender, it instead looks at 12 themes and the themes cut across humanity. So there's storytelling, education, technology. Uh, government leadership workplace these are all chapters in the book and so that's how we tried to think about it. So I don't want to spend my time pitching the book. I just wanted to say that I love this topic. I'm really grateful to you for hosting this conversation and and thank you for giving me a a chance to to talk about the book and to be part of it. And, and well, I'm here's
0: what here's what I'd like to do, Roy. We're going to continue this conversation next week because you know I'm I'm so funny. I just stumble on these issues that that. Um, I think are only in my own life and they turn out to be major <laughs> for everybody. So I would really like to have you back and give you more of a chance to talk about what you've learned in writing the book and, and what you've learned, you know. So please take that as an invitation. And if you accept, I will put you on the, on the um, club, you know, guest Fancy VIP, whatever it's called now. They just changed everything. So
6: I would be absolutely honored. Thank you.
0: All right. You're on. Marlon, <laughs> you're un mic Talk to me.
5: Marlon? Hi, this is Rebecca for
4: the Box. I'll, um, uh, Oh yeah, he's just DMing me now, so he might be able to unmute shortly. But um, he's unmuted, Yeah, Rohit, I also uh, and I waited, I waited uh, to, for you to finish. But yeah, I also uh, consult with Jennifer Brown um, and know Robert Bevan really, really well. <laughs> um, he mentors me. So welcome, welcome. So Jennifer Brown is good people's eager to dive into your book. So in that time, Marlon, are you able to unmute now?
1: Marlon, what's okay, up? Okay.
4: Hello, everyone.
8: Hi, Marlon. Hey, Marlon. Hi Marlon. Hi, 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 hi everybody. Uh, glad to be here. Um, uh, I just want to make a, a, a first off a uh, hello to my good friend uh, uh, for the Blacks, uh, amazing uh, sisterin, And uh, Tyler, man, oh, you cracked me up, bro. Um, uh, oh boy. And then I looked at your picture and I was like, is that Bill Burr? That might be Bill Burr. Cause this guy is definitely a comedian. Um, anyhow, uh, based on the topic, uh, I decided to look a couple things up and, um, you know, uh, quite often these days we just throw words around and the words are almost like buzzwords, you know, catchphrases and what have you. And to be honest, we don't use these words, uh, properly, uh, too often. And I guess it kind of depends where people are from. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, uh, you know, be it be it, um, let's start with the negative ones first. So racism, uh, systemic racism, because there's a difference, uh, xenophobia, um, and and even uh, what's considered economic nationalism, which uh, I'm not sure if everyone is familiar with. Um, All of these at the end of the day have to do with some form of preferential uh, treatment towards uh, one um, type of people. Okay, and if there's preferential treatment for one type of people, that means that there is unpreferential treatment for another type of people, and that could that could be the majority, and it could be the minority as well. So just to 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 uh to address certain things like being in a foreign country as a foreigner, obviously, uh and and not getting the kind of um well being treated differently just because you were not uh, of that country that is pretty much homogenous. Uh, and I think coming from the West, um, a lot of us uh, are not familiar with those situations, um, particularly uh, um, the majority groups in the West. Uh, being a minority uh, in a country for the first time, or even if it's not the first time, it's just an unfamiliar situation that is like, whoa, uh, I am not the main group of people in this place. And actually the rules and procedures and even how people treat each other actually is derogatory towards me. And um, minority classes uh, uh, pretty much feel like, yeah, welcome to our world. And then we think about um, the positive words that we want to actually um, move the conversation towards. And when I say we, I mean all uh, people that appreciate justice and, yeah, are cool people. I wanna use a bad word, but I won't. So things like inclusion and diversity. Which which are, are um, things that we should all uh, hope to hope to be uh, aspiring towards, uh, particularly on social media uh, platforms such as Clubhouse and others. Uh, we want to respect um, everyone and definitely not judge people based on how they look, where they're from, or these kinds of things. Um, and of course, diversity there's just beauty in it. You know, when you have a diverse group anywhere, usually you 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 have a great amount of different ideas um life experiences um educational backgrounds and things like that that converge together to create a better situation for everyone so um diversity uh, is by and large a good thing um, yeah so so um oh and uh and I wanted I wanted to kind of go into the economic nationalism a little bit because um I'm currently living in Rwanda but I was living before in uh, the UAE, in uh, Dubai. And in Dubai, they have a, um, they have a system called Okay, And as, as uh, you guys might know, the UAE stands for United Arab Emirates, hence the word amortization. And uh, pretty much that's localization. So it aims to increase the number of locals in the workplace. And that's mainly because a lot of young Emiratis do not want to work because they don't have to. They so much money um so they actually created the system amortization to actually uh force companies to um have to put these uh young Emiratis into positions. Uh, sometimes they're qualified if you're lucky knock on wood but oftentimes they're not qualified for these positions um and um western companies and part you, you know like sometimes there's 51 percent ownership by locals in uae so partially owned western companies had to uh, employ Uh, These young Emiratis, uh, regardless of if they're qualified or not. So it's a bit of like the buddy system in a way. However, it's their country. What are you going to do as a foreigner? Uh, There's also Omanization, Qatarization, Saudiization. So it seems to be a very GCC kind of thing. And that made me think about growing up in America, affirmative action uh, in a way, which is a bit like, oh, our bad. We're sorry for oppressing black people for a long time. How about we give you a job or uh, money for school or what have you, um, and at first it you know it was uh, well meaning, but obviously that um, uh, you know the current current conversations around affirmative action, uh, even by some uh, um, black people in America, uh, has has kind of turned sour. Whereas people like well you know everyone's equal and you should work for a fair shake, etc. Which you know any anyone with eyes and ears and feelings, knows that that's not true either, and the situation is definitely not equitable as of yet in the u s and other western countries so uh that's my that's my uh take on it uh Marlon thank you guys for listening
0: thank you marlon i i I am going to do something really crazy, which is reset the room right before it ends <laughs> I'm, i i want thomas to bring us home.
1: And also one more thing, if you don't mind, is just that everyone here, I mean, you have to be, uh, you have to give yourself an applause for the fact that you actually came here to learn more about diversity and to uh, expand on it, right? And that, that has to be applauded from everyone here. And I think that's the only way we start change as well, right? And to understand each other, sometimes the vocabulary is not right. Sometimes we may not agree on certain terms. It's basically, we're all coming to, from the right place if we are even thinking this, right? Sorry, this is Heyman, I'm done. And what I,
0: wanted, what I want to do is remind everybody that, uh, that in the same way that, that Heyman is saying congratulations for taking on this, this difficult topic, um, I want to say that I'm going to give away KarmaCoin. All you have to do is go to rally.io and sign up for a rally ID and then either put it in my Twitter DMs or my Clubhouse back channel and I will send you karma coin so that you will you gave out something wonderful you should get back something I don't know whether KarmaCoin is ever going to be wonderful but it's better than nothing and I want everybody in the audience to really to have it So please do rally.io, get a username and let me know what it is. Thomas, um, uh, we wanted you so much to kick off this uh, discussion this week. I guess you couldn't do it, but now I'd really like to let you make the point that you made last week so that we remember it because we're going to continue this discussion next
2: week yeah thank you uh dr francis hey Heyman uh, hey, hey. i'm sorry sorry i didn't uh know you guys were hosting a room last time i think i missed your communication otherwise i would definitely have been there uh, but maybe i missed out uh, the conversation um anyways uh, feel free to you know keep me posted next time i'll be happy to join but in terms of talking about diversity i think the angle i'm coming from is i've done a lot of research on this um uh, so, if you look at uh, coloured people under colonial cultures, they are seen as people who are limited in their capacities. You know, so they were prevented from doing so many things because they were seen as incapable under colonial white cultures. So patriarchal cultures think that women are uh, limited in their capacities, and that is how you know feminists have been fighting for a long time. Heterosexual cultures prescribes limits to how, you know, human beings should relate to each other. and There should be only two genders. As a result, we limit the human ability to relate to other beings, you know, other people beyond heterosexual form of relationship. So if you look at people with disability, we, uh, let's say my own example, I'm a blind person, you know, living in a sighted world, I was told that I didn't have any capacities. So I have plenty of non-visual senses. Actually, 99% of human senses are non-visual. Vision is just one sense. And living in a sighted world that associates vision with all kinds of abilities, I was growing up thinking myself completely devoid of abilities. And so my capacities were limited. I was not given the space to explore and develop my capacities. So if you really look at, everybody seems to be oppressed. We all seem to be victims of our own civilization, which has very, very limited view of human capacity. So if you really think about you know the way we think about human capacity is actually pretty much outdated, the traditional view of human capacity was not based on extensive scientific investigation, and after that, you know our tribal elders did not make decisions saying that after extensive decision, we have come to this conclusion that human capacities are very limited. no. A lot of those understanding about human capacities were developed in, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago based on people we lived with and we observed, observed in our neighborhood, in our clans and in our tribes. Our understanding about human capacities were not really based on any scientific investigation, but if you want to call it, it was really based on rudimentary scientific observation of the people around us. But if you really look at it scientifically today, right? neuroscience cells tells us that capacities of human brain, the functions and structures are not fixed either. We can develop new capacities through training and learning. And if you look at the laws of evolution, the capacities of the biological systems are unlimited. They are not immutably fixed. If they were immutably fixed, we will not be able to evolve and adapt to living in different circumstances and environments, and we would not be here today. So I think we have a very limited human view of human capacity, which is the basis of allow, not allowing us to think of humanity as a diverse community. It expects us to conform to narrow mode of being and functioning in the world, completely ignoring that biological systems and their capacities are plastic and they are completely open. So I think we need to begin to build a culture that is much more scientific, that gives everybody the space to explore and develop diverse capacities that are inherent to the plastic natures of biological systems and that kind of a society with open view of human capacities to develop different capacities that might be native to your uh, body that would allow you to develop functional capacity or ability to relate to other be- beings other human beings uh, relationships so I think that open view of human capacity, which is much more scientific, is the need of the day to build a future that would respect diversity, not just tolerate diversity, but enjoy and celebrate diversity. I think there's a need for us to begin to lay the foundation for a future that has open view of human capacity, gives everybody the space to explore and develop diverse capacities, to tap into the plasticity of biological systems. And that way we will not force anybody to form and function uh you know to develop form and function and uh you know form relationship uh that fits into narrow mold that you know uh our tradition has prescribed us for centuries so i think there's a huge amount of needs uh need that uh remains for us to get together to found this uh future that is open and inclusive that gives that has open view of human capacity that gives everybody the space to explore and develop diverse capacity. Such a concept of humanity with open view would develop a society that is completely different, that has a very different view of human capacity, that has a different view of diversity. I think at the moment we haven't come to a space where we can really talk about diversity. When you have a very limited view of human capacity, we can really talk about diversity and celebrating enjoying diversity when we recognize that capacities of biological systems are plastic and we should give everybody the space to explore explore and develop capacities to be who they are and function develop uh, function uh, develop functional capacities that are native to them so i think the need of the hour is to realize that our capacities as human beings whether you are black or white or disabled or men or women under traditional culture with its you know outdated view of human capacity very narrow view of human capacity we are all repressed, our capacities are not given the space to be developed and we are not given the space to develop our diverse capacities, as a result we really don't respect diversity diversity is not what we inherently respect and value yeah, so I'm Thomas, I'm done speaking, I invite all of you to join this uh, uh, you know, building this future that is open and inclusive with open view of human capacity that would allow us to inherently respect diverse modes of being and functioning in the world. I'm Thomas, I'm done speaking.
0: Thomas, now I know why um, you didn't get pinged and it's because you don't follow me. So if you follow me, I want to have this, it, it. I want you all to bring your friends next week and, and bring... Bring your troublesome friends, not just your people who, you know, bring your aspirational friends and your troublesome friends, because I think we need to make this conversation bigger. I love this conversation. It's what I it's what I'd like to do with the rest of my life, to be honest, is leave this in the hands of all of you who are younger than I am and can really work on expanding Our view of our own capacities. So, thank you very much for coming. Claim your Karma coin by going to rally.io and getting a username and letting me know what it is. And I will see you next week. And, Thomas, if you follow me, I will put you on the stage from the very beginning of the room. Thank you. I will. I will. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Dr. Fleet. Thank you.
1: Take care, all.